0: We are in this series called The Revolutionary, and we're talking about how Jesus, uh, when Jesus showed up, he taught, he lived, he acted in a way that kind of went against the norm uh, of every norm, really, even against the kind of traditional religious norm of that day, the Jewish religion and belief system that he was born into. He started to take these things and turn them upside down. And, and so we are on week three of that. The, the first week, we talked about grace This past Sunday, we talked about truth, and today we are going to continue in this series. Um, I'd mentioned we have the Trunk or Treat coming up uh, in our neighborhood. There's a huge uh, trick-or-treating, just everybody shuts the streets down, and it's just absolute chaos, Um, and uh, we go just walk down our neighborhood streets every year, and it's awesome, and it's funny because we break every single rule that we uh, build into our kids uh, and and we tell them, hey, I need you to walk up to this stranger's house and ask them for candy. Um, and uh, my kids, I think they're like a little bit nervous about it when they were younger. Not necessarily because they understood the rules, but it's this weird dissonance between what we say 364 days out of the year. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, go take candy from that person. Like, the one with the creepy mask on? Yeah, go. it's going to be great. You're going to love it, you know. It's like, okay, uh, but there's like this really odd like dissonance. We have this rule, but then also there's this time when it's like, hey, this rule goes out the window completely, and it's that way in a lot of our, in our lives. There's a lot of different rules that we have or, or kind of ways that we generally live, and, and then that we always make certain exceptions for them. I don't know. You guys don't have to tell what this is, but most people I've found understand what the speed limit is. But then you also have, like, well, I can just plus 5 to that speed limit, and it's still legally okay. I mean, it's a gray area. Maybe it's not the best thing, but I'm, I'll, you know, some of you guys are like, yeah, I'm going to add 10 to that speed limit. Some of you guys are just living on the edge, you know. But there's, like, these weird things where it's, it's like, well, I know what the rule is, but also, like, I don't want to have to just drive 55, so I'll drive 60, I'm going to get there that much faster. It's going to make me feel better. You know, it's like, what, what, why do we do this? Um, I remember, uh, you know, when our kids were younger, we're still trying to teach them some things, obviously, but especially when they're younger, you're trying to help them learn some of these basics of, uh, you know, not eating food off the floor or things like that. And, and I remember Mason, he was probably about six years old at the time, and uh, we were at a, a big table, a big group of people, and he just took a random cup and started to drink out of it. And I just did that like reactionary, like, oh, no, 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 don't drink that. And then he just kind of in slow motion, like started to put the cup down and then just kind of opened his mouth and let all the liquid just like dribble out back into the cup. <laughs> and I was like, well, no, 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 don't do that. Uh, and I could see the look on his face like, you're going to have to pick a lane, Dad. Uh, this, is, this isn't working for any of us. And um, as we talk about this idea of rules of the way that we live, kind of the, the values that our lives have, um, when we talk about things like truth, we also have to embrace this idea that every good rule has circumstances in which it probably should be broken. And if this rule needs to be broken all the time, then that's when we would go and revisit it and say, hey, maybe this isn't actually a good rule anymore. Maybe we need to make some adjustments. And, and so we're talking about this idea of rules today, of of what does it mean for us to understand rules and guidelines and and what's right and what's wrong and it's challenging for kids to wrap their brains around this but also it's difficult for us as well because you know we're really clear and comfortable when it's like hey this is this is wrong and this is right it's very convenient for us when we can just look at it and definitively know like okay this is the right thing and this is the wrong thing and we kind of try to simplify things down sometimes to a point where it's always as easy to pick as that But life in reality is full of moments where it's not choosing between what's wrong and, when, and what's right. It's more often than not, it's between choosing, you know which of the right things is the most right thing right now. Which of these things that is true or good? Uh, how, do I, how do I pick between these things? It's not always just like a clear winner, a black and white situation. This one's wrong, and this one's right, or this one's good, and this one's bad. It's, it's a lot more complex than that, especially as we get older. And oftentimes, people end up kind of swinging to one end of a spectrum. On one end, you have legalism, which says, this is the one right thing that everyone should do all the time, no matter what. And legalism exists all over the place. It exists in religion, it exists in atheism, it exists in politics, it exists in every kind of social setting. It's just you know much easier to say this is the only thing that we do all the time, never do it differently than this. The other end of the spectrum is nihilism, which basically kind of articulates this idea that nothing really matters anyway, so let's just do whatever we feel like doing. We talked about this a little bit last week uh, when we were talking about truth and how a lot of us hear this phrase often, and maybe we've said this phrase, well, what's my truth? Or what's your truth? Or maybe we can agree on what the truth is. (laughs) it's like, well, okay, that feels challenging. Uh, But there's this challenge for us when you start to swing either way on this spectrum, and I'm not sure that either ends of the spectrum is right, but when we refuse to acknowledge and wrestle with the nuance of life, the complexity of life, it begins to erode away at our faith. It erodes away at at what we claim to believe, who we claim to follow, because not everything is actually black and white. There's a lot of gray areas in there. I tell this story a lot because it just makes me laugh, and I don't know if anybody else will think it's funny, but it cracks me up. I know some people Uh, And uh, they've been married for a long time. And one of their in-laws, like one set of parents, believes passionately that it is a sin to drink any alcohol ever at all. And they love gambling, (laughs) which is fine. The other set of in-laws believes that gambling is the worst thing that you can do. And it goes against everything that God stands for. And they love wine, uh, and, and it's just like they are both incredibly passionate uh, about these two things, and they're just polar opposites. And both of them can find Bible verses to support both of their beliefs. And it's so easy when we just get to say, "No, that's wrong," and I won't consider it. I won't ever think of changing. I won't. I won't even think about having another perspective. And let alone, I'm not going to have compassion for somebody who believes the wrong thing. What a ridiculous idea! They're wrong the best thing that I can do for them is prove to them that they're wrong. Let me just hit them with the truth, metaphorically or literally. It's like a really dangerous place to be, and it's not doing any favors. And and honestly, it's not the way that Jesus lived his life. Oftentimes, when people have valid questions, we don't We don't work through what those questions mean or even consider answers. We just repeat the same rigid rules over and over again. With my kids, when I'm frustrated, it's the end of the day, and I say it's bedtime, and they say, why? I just say, because. It is, and it's going to be best for everyone if you go there. Uh, I don't explain the nature of why we have bedtimes every night or that the benefits, you know, for their health or for my marriage or for my own sanity. It's like, no, just do this thing. But we kind of, we bring that into so many other aspects of our faith a lot of times where we say, you know what, I'm not interested in hearing. I'm not interested in the conversation. I'm not interested in the fact that there may be some nuance here. I'm just going to hold on to the easy black and white things that I've held on to in the past. Every day we are forced to make choices, and it's usually not between right and wrong. It's usually between what's right and what is good. And that feels difficult. That's challenging for us. And we move at such a fast pace in our lives that it doesn't feel very convenient for us to slow down to actually understand The difference between a universal rule and what it means just to have values that we live by. Rules tell us yes and no, and values invite us to make a decision. It's a challenge for us. Jesus wrestled with this same thing and... um, well, Jesus didn't wrestle with it, I guess I should say. The Pharisees wrestled with it, and, and Jesus had a conversation with them. It was really important. And I think it's important to acknowledge that this may make us feel uncomfortable. You may feel a little bit uncomfortable with this idea because it is very easy to just have clean, clear boxes. It is, it is so easy. But when we start to actually open ourselves up to consider other perspectives, other interpretations, other meanings, it can make us feel uncomfortable. And that's okay. It's okay that we feel uncomfortable sometimes, and, and we can be challenged to learn why we believe what we believe. In Matthew chapter 12, is a story I want us to look at today. Uh, uh, I'll have a lot of the verses on the screen, but if you guys have your Bibles or your Bible apps, you can turn there. It says, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, look. Your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. There's a couple of things here. One, we talked about the Sabbath a few months ago, but just as a quick refresher, the Sabbath is something that that God instituted. He said, I want you to take a day out of the week and I want you to rest. And the creation poem, God creates in six days and on the seventh day, he rested. When God gave the 10 commandments, one of the 10 commandments was to have a day off. We never think about that one very much. We get frustrated that we're not allowed to lie or do these other things, but we never actually embrace like, hey, you know what? God said I got to take a day off. It's like we struggle with this thing. The Sabbath was a good thing that God instituted for us. The challenge is, is that they didn't know what does it mean if, you know, technically am I resting? Am I actually taking a day off? And so they decided, hey, let's set up some rules so that way we know, we know what does it mean to rest. And they set up all kinds of rules about how to prove that you actually are or are not resting. One of those rules is that you're not allowed to walk a certain distance on the Sabbath. One is that you're not supposed to work in the field on the Sabbath. One is that you're not supposed to expend any energy making food. They would make all their food the day before and then just eat it on the, on the actual Sabbath. So all of these rules are the rules that the disciples were breaking. They weren't actually breaking the command that God had given them, the gift of a day of rest. They were breaking the rules that were set in place by people to help make sure that they didn't break the rule. Does that make sense? It's like a little bit layered here. All of a sudden it becomes like, okay, there's very clear boxes that we can follow. There's very things, very clear things that we can we can look at here. And Jesus isn't just wanting us to see the difference between good and evil or even choose between right and wrong. He He, he understands that there's some obvious things and he wants us to be able to navigate in this kind of nuance in between. But the Pharisees who, by all accounts, even as a pastor, it's like, we, we like to make fun of and point at and mock and ridicule the Pharisees, but they were just following the rules, <laughs> the religious rules of that day. They were doing what their scriptures told them to do, and they, there was a lot of value placed in that. And so it, it's hard for us to fault them for that because a lot of times we kind of do the same thing. It's like, well, that's the simplest way to live. Just follow the rules, and then you're going to be okay. And so we have this situation, this story, the Pharisees are looking at them and saying they're breaking the rules and you should never break the rules for any reason. Jesus answers them. He says, haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? Which is a question that Jesus obviously asked this question, but he knew that they had. He knew that they were aware. David was the hero of their faith. He was the hero of their people. There was nobody that they revered more, and everybody knew the stories of David, especially the religious leaders of the day. So when he says, haven't you read, it's like this way of, hey, let's not forget this detail, this nuance that you're choosing to ignore right now. Haven't you read what he and his companions did when they were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he, uh, he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. So Jesus is reminding them of this story. He said, hey, not only did he break into the temple, he also ate the bread that he's not supposed to eat. And you know, he doesn't say it in this story when he's referring to the, when he's talking with the Pharisees, but he's reminding them of this story because it said that God blessed David on that day, that David had made the right decision, even though what he did was wrong. And that's not convenient for us. That's not easy for us. So Jesus is reminding them of this. There's almost a bit of sarcasm in here. And then he brings up another example in verse five. He says, or haven't you read in the law, which is their scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent. So he's turning it one more degree to the right. It's like, well, what about the, the priests who work on the Sabbath on the day that there's not supposed to be any work done? The people who are making sure that people aren't working are working, right? So let's, let's just kind of recognize that there's some gray space happening in here. So what, what actually is going on? I think every good rule has some circumstances in which it probably should be broken, I am not giving you permission to speed on the way to work because you overslept or because the Starbucks line was long. Like, that's not the gray space that we're talking about. Jesus is very specifically talking about this one example here, but I think it translates. In verse 6, he says, I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice you would not have condemned the innocent. He was talking about the disciples here. For the son of man is the Lord of the Sabbath. There's a few things happening here. First, what he's saying is that the temple for them was the holy of holies. It's where God, God's presence dwelt. It's where they would go to learn, to be challenged, to grow. And he's saying there's something greater than the temple now. He's referring to himself. It's like, you don't need to go there to be reminded of the law. I'm here to tell you and show you how to live. And then he says... Uh, you've forgotten what these words mean. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Another translation says, I desire kindness. This is what God is speaking to, to his children all throughout the Old Testament scriptures over and over again. There was all kinds of laws about sacrifices and incense and what people should do and how they should act. And there's just as many times in the scriptures where God says, you know what? You can keep your sacrifices because you're not caring for people. Don't show up with your incense and doing the right religious rituals because I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but you're acting like a jerk. <laughs> over and over again. That's like, no, I don't need it. Don't, don't show up with worship if you're going to be a terrible person to the ones that are, live around you. These things go hand in hand. It's so important for us to understand this. And then he says, the son of man, referring to himself, is the Lord of the Sabbath. It's essentially saying, I have the authority to let you know what this actually is for. I have the authority to let you know what it means. I'm going to help reframe this for you so you don't have to just go off of old writings. You actually get to hear and see what I'm doing and how I am living. He, Jesus, gets the last word on which right is the most right. And he wants us to live in the nuance. The story goes on. It's uh, in verse nine, and it doesn't say the next day. This is like immediately after, and it seems somewhat unrelated, but it's deeply connected. It says, going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there, looking for reasons to bring charges against Jesus. They, talking about the Pharisees still, they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And he said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Which again, feels like such a hard right turn. Like, let's kill this guy. (laughs) But he was turning upside down everything that gave them power And meaning and position and authority, Jesus was starting to change all of the systems. This is why people talk about how Jesus revolutionized things like goodness, grace, truth, because he took all of the systems and the way that things worked and said, hey, this is all going to need to flip upside down. This is all going to need to be different. He goes in and he starts to articulate to them when they ask him this question, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Jesus, as he rarely does, doesn't answer their question. He just asks another question. If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, wouldn't you take hold of it and lift it out? He's essentially saying, look, if this had to do with something that you cared about, you would break the rules. The issue isn't that you don't want to break the rules. The issue is that you don't want to be good to people who are in need. You have set up some sort of religious excuse for not serving, for not helping, for not being kind for not caring for, for not resourcing, for not pouring into, for not thinking of something that actually puts you at a deficit and takes from yourself in order to help other people. You figured out religious excuses to make that okay. Jesus is coming against this with everything that he can in this moment. He wants us to understand that being right should never stand in the way of doing good. Jesus didn't break rules for his own benefit. He always broke through these rules in order to serve or care for or love others. Essentially, he's saying if your religion is preventing you from doing good, your religion is in the way. But you're not concerned with doing good. You're just trying to avoid doing wrong, which is for so many of us. I remember like most of my childhood, it was like, okay, I don't want to do the wrong thing. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to do one sin that somehow will be so bad that God will never be able to forgive me. It's like always, how can I make sure I I never cross that line? And Jesus is saying, hey, this is the wrong thing to focus on. It's not about making sure that you never do wrong. It's about leaning into doing good. We'll talk more about that in just a minute. But this idea that I want us to hold on to is that you can do nothing wrong and still do nothing good. You can not break any rules, and that does not mean that you will be a good person, that you will love others well, that you will be kind, that you will care for or serve. Mark Twain, uh, I read this quote a few months ago, and I've been waiting for the perfect time to use it. Uh, In one of his books, he says, uh, talking about this guy that lived in the city, he said, he was good in the worst sense of the word. And he's talking about this person about how nobody liked him. He was religious and pious and always followed all of the right things and he was the least popular person in town because he was good in all of the wrong ways, always following the details, making sure he stepped in the right place, said yes to the right things, no to the wrong things. We fall into this trap so easily because we don't have to think. It's so much easier for us to not actually have to to filter things through our values it's easier just to have a, a list of what's okay and what's not okay, but when I say, well, what does Jesus say about this? How did Jesus act? What would it look like for me to act this certain way? All of a sudden, it slows us down, and it puts us in difficult standing, oftentimes with other people that maybe we used to agree with and we no longer do. We, we cannot allow our religion to keep us from doing good. This is the message that Jesus wanted. Jesus was disagreeing with people who were technically right. They just weren't doing any good. They were using truth as a weapon to, to keep people out. Paul, uh, in the New Testament, he was writing to a young pastor named Timothy, and he put it this way, this idea of, of using truth as a weapon or, or how we use truth. He said it this way in 2 Timothy 2, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who correctly handles the truth. Saying there's a way that you can be true and right and also handle it incorrectly. You're doing the wrong thing with this. It's important for us to recognize it, and it's such a big deal that James says it this way in James chapter four. He says, if anyone then knows the good that they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's a sin for them. I grew up worried about doing the wrong things. Maybe we should be more more worried about doing the right things. There's this invitation for us to do the right things, and and in doing the right things, and in loving others, and caring for others, and doing good, all of a sudden it steers us onto this path where we continue to have a heart for others, which means that our heart is aligned with the heart of God, with the heart of our Father, our Heavenly Father. Galatians 6 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. As we have opportunity, do good to all people. Do good for all people. Doing good is is more powerful than telling someone that they are wrong. I heard one pastor say it this way. He said, you can make a point or you can make a difference. We have an opportunity to show up and live a certain way, but we start to get uncomfortable because we're very concerned about truth. We're very concerned about making sure people know what's wrong and what's right. And it makes us really uncomfortable, especially when it starts to come to our faith of what? So people can just believe whatever they want. Like somebody's gotta tell them that they're going to hell. Right? Jamie gets it. (laughs) Just kidding, Jamie. <laughs> Somebody's got to let them know. Somebody's got to make sure that they steer them the right way. But again, Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, he's talking about salt and light, and this is who you should be. And then as he wraps up this passage, he says, in the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. He doesn't say, let your theological correctness let your avoidance of sin let your good deeds shine your goodness the way you show up and love and care for others is going to be what actually points them to god it's not the true information that you store in your mind it's not bad to understand truth we're called to to speak the truth in love i'm not saying be an idiot or be ignorant But it's not truth that's going to change the world. It is the goodness of God through us. We are his chosen method, but we allow ourselves all of these loopholes and back gates of caring for people because they may not be right, and we need to make sure that we are right. And so we have to ask ourselves, where can I do good for others so that they get a glimpse of who God is? Jesus turned this upside down and, and, you know, I think we're so focused on this idea of not doing wrong that we don't think about what does it look like for me to do right? And when people ask Jesus, well, what's the most important law? Or if I can paraphrase, what's the most important rule out of all the rules? Because we love rules and the Pharisees are like, well, why don't you tell us what the most important was? one is? He said, it's to love God with all of your heart, soul, and your mind and to love your neighbor as yourself. It had nothing to do with avoiding stealing. Or going the speed limit, although you should do both of those things. It didn't have to do with avoiding sin. Jesus said, you know what? If you can love other people well, if you can do good, it will keep you on track. If you can do good towards others, you will naturally stay in a lane where you avoid making wrong choices by focusing on how you can do good. One question that I want us to take away from this Uh, One question I want us to think through, a a question that can act as a filter for us is this question. When we come into difficult situations, we can ask, what does love require of me? What does love require of me? Not what are the guidelines on this or what is the rules or what is, you know, it's like we can just ask ourselves, you may be like me. You may not have all of the Bible memorized. You may not be able to know the exact right answer to every single question, but we could probably figure out the answer to this question in almost every setting, in almost every conversation, in almost every cubicle at work, and almost every time that our kids are asking questions that are difficult or whatever it is. When we're talking with people about faith or life or relationships, we can answer this question. We can filter it through. It might take a minute. You might have to think about it a little bit, But this is the challenge and the invitation of Jesus is for us not to just say, hey, you know what? I didn't do anything wrong. It's for us to say, you know what? I did something right. I did something good. I cared for others. I extended love towards others. What does love require of me when you have a neighbor who has all of the political signs in their yard that are talking terrible things about your preferred political person? It's a lot of peace. Uh, it's like I think that they're wrong you think that they're wrong we think that everybody is wrong except for us and I can either go out of my way to make sure that they know that or I can just do good and I can help carry in their groceries from the car even though I think that they're making the wrong choice this is what it looks like to choose good when we're at the end of a freeway off-ramp and you see someone asking for money and you have the same thoughts that I have probably had of well they're probably just going to use it to buy things to fuel their addiction. Or, you know what, that's probably not even their clothes. They probably wear better clothes than I do. They make way more money than I do on this corner than I do. It's like we start to decide, well, what's true and what's, what's right and what's wrong? And we're not called to make that decision. We're called to live a life of generosity and goodness. And maybe I've got 10 bucks in my pocket and I can give that to them. Or maybe I've got some food and I can offer it to them and I cannot control what they do but I can control if I live a life of goodness. Maybe there's someone at work who has talked about you behind your back and has cut you down and it is a hurtful thing and it is so easy to just allow other people to say bad things about that person because you agree and they did it first, but there's always this challenge of what does it look like, what does love require of me, regardless of who or how or what, or black, or white, or wrong, or right? What is the good thing that I'm called to do? This is how we are called to live. This is what Jesus is inviting us into. It's not just follow the rules. It's a revolution of doing good, of spreading love and kindness where we go. I think that if we can lean into this idea, it will cause us to have to slow down but I really believe that not only will it point other people to God, but I think it'll actually start to heal a lot of the relationships that maybe we have lost or we have felt broken over the last few years of chaos and judgment and wrong and right and this side and that side. I think this is the invitation of what God wants us to to live like, how he wants us to live and and interact with others. And I hope that I can live this way. I hope I can lean into this, and I hope that, that you guys will join me on that journey. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I just pray that um, we would be willing to slow ourselves down enough that, um, that we can spend some time in the complexity of life, that we can recognize that there's not always easy answers. Most of the time, it feels like there's rarely an easy answer that there is gray space, that there is nuance. And as convenient or simple as it is just to be able to give a, a quick fix or just to say what we believe is true and untrue or wrong or right, God, you are inviting us to lean into living lives of goodness, of recognizing that sometimes we need to, Make the choice to to care for another person versus make a judgment on another person. That we can extend love towards someone that has not offered that to us. That we can inconvenience ourselves and maybe go out of our way in order to do good in the lives of other people. And, And not only is that okay, but God, you have called us to live lives this way to live lives where we give of ourselves to people that can never repay, to lives where we extend grace to people who've never asked for it. You've done that for us. So God, I pray that we would slow down enough to ask these questions. What does love require of me? What good can I do in my home or at my school or in my workplace or my community? How can I show up and do good in a way that points back to you. God, I pray that you would help me and each of us live this way, that we could further embody the life of Jesus as we do good for the people around us. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, regardless of where you may be at in your faith journey, I believe that everyone has a next step that they can take. If you'd like more information about what it means to put your trust in Jesus, information about getting baptized, or maybe even attending a Discover class to grow more in your faith, you can visit us online at southhills.org forward slash Costa Mesa, and then scroll down to the next steps section. If you'd like more information about tithing or supporting South Hills financially, you can visit southhills.org forward slash giving. Thanks again for listening today, and I hope that I get to see you soon.